Welcome in, everybody. Episode 19, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody had a great weekend. And I'll be honest, I hope you guys listened to the last episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Because here's the bottom line. Here's the thing, right? So you go back to the first, second, third episode of what we did on this show, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, back in August, early September. And what did I tell you? I said the goal on this show is to never push picks on you, but it is instead to just give you the best information that I possibly can, that we possibly can. And I believe we have never done that better than last Thursday's episode. And really, I believe we're doing it as well as any show out there. You go back and listen to Thursday's episode. Again, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just happy that I am getting you the information that you need as you go to the ticket window. I told you, Nebraska plays everybody hard. It is going to be a close game in Lincoln. I told you, North Carolina and Wake Forest, really fun game. Uh, The over could be in play as those two teams total over 100 points on Saturday. I told you, Michigan State struggles against the pass. Be wary of Purdue. I told you uh, that Clemson is starting to turn a corner, that they could win on the road at Louisville. And so I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. I hope you guys know it. I am just happy how much this show has evolved. And the only thing that I would ask is, again, as I always tell you, if you do enjoy this show, a couple things. One, Go on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Leave a quick rating. Let everybody know that you like it, that you enjoy your boy Torres giving out college football advice, some of it good, some of it really good. Um, And then also share with friends and family. That's how we're going to grow this show. That's how we're going to grow this audience. And so I very much appreciate you guys listening, you guys and girls listening, and what has been a fun season. We're headed to Week 11. Before we get to the Week 11 slate, really quick, let me just remind you, show is presented by DraftKings, our partners at DraftKings. I'm not going to do a long ad read today let me what I will just tell you though is this Uh, I was on uh, kind of corresponding with my DraftKings rep on Monday they have an incredible offer that will be ready to go for next weekend in college football so stay patient I will give you the details on that offer on Thursday's episode and if you are a first-time user do me a favor go ahead use DraftKings they are a great partner of ours uh, and those kind of transactions and all that stuff really does help this show grow and help us build a stronger relationship with DraftKings again I'll get you full details on that sign up come Thursday's show, but you guys will be blown away by what you can get going into next Saturday in college football. Speaking of Saturday, let's get to some of the big games. And what's interesting about Saturday is, first of all, we are heading into week 11. I say it every week, but it is insane. We are already in the middle of November here heading into week 11 of the college football season. But what's interesting about this weekend is, first of all, the two biggest games of the weekend, I would argue, Oklahoma at Baylor, which we'll talk about in a minute, and Michigan at Penn State. They are both noon Eastern kickoffs. And so let's start with Michigan and Penn State. Penn State is a one-point favorite. The over-under is set at 48.5. But what's especially interesting to me about this game is the fact that this is not going to be the traditional Penn State big game vibe and venue and energy because it's not a night game. Not saying that Happy Valley isn't a great place to watch a game. Not saying it's not a tough place for Michigan to get go in and get a win. But at the same time, I also think it's kind of worth noting that this will not be the atmosphere that, say, Auburn faced uh, six, seven weeks ago when they played in Happy Valley going forward. In terms of the two teams, look, we, we, we kind of know the deal, right? Penn State was red hot early to start the year. I just mentioned the Auburn win. They beat Wisconsin. And then they just had a really bad stroke of luck. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But Sean Clifford, if Sean Clifford stays in that Iowa game, uh, Penn State was up 17-3 to in that game. Sean Clifford goes down. Penn State falls apart. 
Iowa wins, and then from there, Sean Clifford tries to come back against Illinois. He's not at 100%, but I thought even in the Ohio State game that Penn State lost, I thought Sean Clifford played well. I thought this offense played very well for Penn State, and I do believe that they are starting to hit a little bit of a stride now playing well against Ohio State, beating Maryland last week, although there are some things that were a little bit concerning about that game. With Michigan, we kind of know the deal, right? Uh, Michigan is playing overall, I think, pretty good football right now. Um, they're obviously, what, 8-1 and one at this point in the year, going for another 9-win season under Harbaugh. To Harbaugh's credit, we criticize him for a lot. Every season that was, non, that was a non-COVID season has now been officially an 8-win season for Harbaugh, six seasons of 8-plus wins in non-COVID years. But we also know that the bottom line is whenever Harbaugh goes into a big game, you always have to take that into consideration because Harbaugh, we know the record, is not great in big games. Now, usually it's against top 10, top 15 opponents. This case, that is not the case because Penn State is not ranked that highly, but it is something to consider. In terms of this game specifically, I think there's a couple things you got to know. First of all, Michigan is coming in a little bit banged up, and I do think that's important. Uh, they played Indiana last week, and basically every key player on offense at some point left the game with some kind of injury. Cade uh, McNamara, their starting quarterback. Eric Ali, their top tight end. Blake Corum, their second leading rusher. Andell Anthony, who was incredible in that game against Michigan State. A.J. Henning, another good wide receiver. All left the game, all spent time in the tent. The good news is, though, I believe most of them will be able to play in this game. Um, Kane McNamara came back last week. Blake Corm, the reports early on Monday are that he will be back on Saturday. But again, this will be something for all of us to monitor. And on Thursday's show, I will try to get you the best deal, uh, the best deal, the best deal, the best details possible on whatever the injuries may be. Um, and so that takes us to Saturday and that takes us to what should be a really intriguing game. And I'm just going to tell you point blank. Uh, I do think the matchups, at least right now, as I see them, and it's early in the week and it could change as the week goes on. I do think they, they kind of favor Michigan. First of all, uh, as I said, Michigan is a balanced team. I think they do everything pretty well, even Cade McNamara. I know we love to criticize Cade McNamara, but I think he does just enough passing the ball that it allows those run, game, run lanes to open for Michigan. And so I think instead you have to go to the other side with Penn State. Again, they are so whatever six and three they have at their best when fully healthy when Sean Clifford is healthy played well but the one thing that does stand out to me and does concern me they really do struggle to run the ball they only rank uh they, they only rank uh, how about this 117th nationally in rushing yardage they struggle to move the ball now part of it is in Penn State's defense they have faced some truly elite run defenses Iowa Wisconsin Auburn's good against the run. Ohio State's against the run. But guess what? So is Michigan. Michigan is good against the run. They rank in the top 30 nationally against the run, and they are number six nationally in total defense. And so a lot of this will ultimately end up on Sean Clifford's shoulders. Sean Clifford's a good quarterback, but the one thing that would concern me, I know I just said they're starting to hit their stride. I know I said they're starting to play well against uh, the last couple weeks, beat Maryland the week before they played well against Ohio State. But what I also think is worth noting is this. That Maryland game was 14-6 to going into the fourth quarter. As I just said, Penn State could not run the ball at all. 93 yards on 33 carries, that's less than three yards per carry. And Sean Clifford bailed him out, and more importantly, Jahan Dotson failed, uh, bailed him out. 11 receptions, 242 yards for Penn State's probably a future first-round pick at wide receiver. And so 
the Penn State offense comes down to very simply, can you slow down Jahan Dotson? Because if you can, I do think it will be advantage Michigan in this game. And I do think that they can, if they can slow him down, and Michigan does have a pretty good pass defense this year. Uh, it is one of the strengths of this defense. Michigan ranks actually number nine nationally in pass defense. They're holding opposing quarterbacks to a 54% completion percentage. I think this is a game Michigan can win. But as I said at the beginning, um, I do believe that anytime you're talking about a Jim Harbaugh coach team, you have to factor in that this team, again, I know it's not data. I know it's not information. It is common sense, though. They do not always play well in big games. They play tight in big games. Sometimes their play reflects their coach in big games, and that's just something to consider if you want to bet Michigan this week, although I do think the advantages do go to Michigan. Really quickly, let's just stay in the Big Ten because I saw this line and it really jumped out to me. Ohio State is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Purdue, and the over-under is set at 62-and-a-half. The new college football playoff ranking will come out sometime uh, on Tuesday, but I think this will be a top 25 matchup by the time these two teams play as Purdue comes into this game at 6-3 and three overall. And of course, they have two wins over top five teams, Michigan State last week and Iowa, Iowa a few weeks ago. So the question then becomes, why is this spread 20-and-a-half? And at first glance, I didn't, I thought it was kind of insane, but then I looked into this game a little bit deeper and I think I sort of kind of understand it. First of all, I will say I thought the number was too high. For people who are like, what, which side are you on? I did think the number was too high. I did think Purdue should not be, should not be a three touchdown underdog, but there's a couple factors to, to bring into play here. One, I think the last few weeks we've kind of learned pretty quickly Ohio State cannot run the football against really good teams, and I do believe that will ultimately be their downfall. If you watch the Penn State game, they were not great early. They eventually wore down Penn State late, but after that, against Nebraska, the way Nebraska stayed in that game, Ohio State could not move the ball on the ground against them. Ohio State finished with 90 yards rushing on 30 carries, but here's the thing. Purdue's weakness is the run defense. Purdue is actually pretty good against the pass, which is probably bad news for C.J. Stroud, but they are not very good against the run. And even last week, as they were blowing out Michigan State, Penn, uh, Kenneth, or Michigan State, yeah, excuse me, Kenneth Walker still went for 130 plus yards. And so in terms of why the number may be the way that it is, I think that that is probably the closest reason why. Um, Ohio State is not great against the run, but Purdue is not great against the, the run on defense. At the same time, Purdue is really good against the pass on defense, but they have never seen anything like Ohio State's pass offense with all of those star wide receivers, and we saw it. Last week, no Garrett Wilson. Well, guess what? Jackson Smith and Jigba steps up. Uh, Chris Olave has a touchdown. Julian Fleming is there. Marvin Harrison Jr. is there. The depth is just incredible with this team and with their wide receiver core. I think you can make the argument Ohio State's wide receiver unit is as good as any unit in college football. I don't even think that's a hot take. I just think it's kind of the reality of what it is. At the same time, if you do believe, like me, that maybe this number feels a little bit high, it would be for this. Ohio State statistically has not been very good against the pass this year. Ranked 96 nationally, I will say in their defense, I thought they actually played pretty well against Purdue last or against uh, Nebraska last week. So much of those plays with Adrian Martinez, Martinez were coverage sacks, or not even coverage sacks, but just coverage plays where he had to throw the ball out of bounds because he had nobody to throw the ball to. So it appears as though this this pass defense is getting better. But what I will also say is we know how good that Purdue pass offense is this year. 
um, because when you look at them, they're one of the best pass offenses in all of college football. They rank currently, as we record here, number eight nationally in pass offense, number two in the Big Ten behind only, obviously, Ohio State. And so because of it, I'm just warning you, uh, I could see this one being high scoring. I think both teams will be able to throw the ball against each other. The question, And, and I think the, the bigger thing, too, is that I think both teams' weaknesses go against the other team's weaknesses, right? So Ohio State is not great against the run, but Purdue is not great stopping the run. Ohio State can't stop the pass. Purdue can't stop the pass. So it'll just be an interesting chess match to kind of see how all these pieces fit together. I will tell you, don't tell you what to do. The over feels kind of sexy to me. I mentioned there were two big games in that 12 p.m. Eastern time window. Second one is Oklahoma. Really interesting game. Oklahoma is at Baylor. Oklahoma is a five and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 63. What I will say is, look, I mean, obviously this game does lose a little bit of its luster because of the fact that Baylor lost last week to TCU. It was obviously the first game post Gary Patterson firing, but Baylor came into that game ranked seven and one, ranked number 12 in the first college football playoff poll. And I do think it takes a little bit of juice out of this game. Now, it doesn't take too much out because we know what's at stake for Oklahoma. Oklahoma is coming off a bye, and I just think it's going to be fascinating because I don't think we really know that much about Oklahoma, as weird as it sounds, nine games into the season. They have yet to play the three other best teams in the Big 12. Baylor, they will play this week. Next week is Bedlam, and then, or excuse me, next week is Iowa State, and then the final game of the season is Bedlam. So they still have the three best teams in the league, two of them on the road, Um, And this is just one of those deals where you could see the scenario where Oklahoma has looked okay so far this season, but the competition is about to step up. Um, What what I think kind of stands out to me specifically about this game, and we'll get more into it on Thursday's show, it's both the defenses. Um, One, Oklahoma appears on paper to sort of be getting better on defense, um, but you look at who they've played, and yes, statistically, the numbers have worked in their favor of late. 48 points to Texas, down to 31 against TCU, 23 against Kansas, 21 against Texas Tech. Here's the thing, though. Texas Tech, what happens right after they play uh, uh, Oklahoma? They fired Matt Wells. TCU, what happened right after uh, they play Oklahoma a few weeks later? They fired Gary Patterson. And so are, are were these great defensive performances or were these programs that were just in turmoil and were a mess and Oklahoma was able to run all over them? Obviously, the Kansas game, 23 points is actually a lot against Kansas, especially since Kansas was very clearly trying to run the slowest offense imaginable. Uh, Baylor's Baylor's defense, on the other hand, listen, Dave Aranda's the defensive guru, but this Baylor defense has not been great this season. Um, They are number five in total defense in the Big 12. They do give up a lot of points, obviously 30 to TCU last week, 24 to Texas the week before. But even in that game, uh, Texas scored 14 points right off the bat, and that might be more of a reflection on Texas than anything else, 24 the week before against BYU. So Baylor playing well, that defense is good but not elite, and the question becomes, will they slow down Oklahoma, which is obviously playing really well and coming off a bye. Last little game, then we'll get to a quick break. How about this? Georgia at Tennessee. Georgia a 20-point favorite over under set at 56. And again, we're going to have plenty of time later in the week to get into these games. But I'll just say this. Real quick first glance. Doesn't this kind of feel like one of the tougher games for Georgia this year? Now, look, I don't think Georgia's going to lose. But as a 20-point favorite on the road against a Tennessee offense that is really rolling, I think there's something to be said here. 
First of all, let's give Tennessee credit. Talked about Josh Heupel on, on uh, what was it, Monday's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, but 45 points against Kentucky on Saturday night. How about this? 13 minutes time of possession. 13 minutes time of possession. A bunch of really quick scores, a pick six. That's how you put up 45 points when you only have the ball for 13 plus minutes. The other team has it for 46 minutes. Um, but the other thing too is that it's not just what they have done against or what they did against Kentucky last week. This Tennessee offense has been really good for half of the season now. They put up 62 points against a really bad Missouri team, 45 points against a really bad South Carolina team, 26 points against Ole Miss, but that's a little deceptive because we know that they were driving to score when Hendon Hooker got hurt, Uh, and even in that game, they put up almost 500 yards of total offense, and then the week that they played Alabama before the bye, they only had 24 points, but again, you look at you watch the game. They had about 400 yards of total offense. They were moving the ball. Alabama had no answers through the pass game, and so I just think it'll be a really interesting matchup for Georgia. Again, don't think Georgia will lose, but when you look at how to beat a, a defense as good as Georgia's, quick plays, get rid of the ball, tempo, speed, keep them off their heels, don't let them sub. Uh, the way that Auburn plays, the way that Kentucky plays, that is not the way to beat Georgia. The way to beat Georgia is to play the way that Tennessee plays. It just comes down to whether they have enough guys and how close they can keep it and how competitive that they can keep it going forward. And I'll just say this, this Georgia defense remains absolutely incredible. Um, Georgia, I looked this up, they have, they're allowing an average of 6.6 points per game this year. How about this for a stat? They have given up six total touchdowns this year. Six total touchdowns in nine games, so just an absolutely fascinating deal. Uh, It'll be curious to see if this is kind of the Kirby Smart game all year. Do they get up early? What do they try to do? Because I'll tell you this, I don't think the get up early and run the, well, I take that back. What I would just say is be wary if you're Kirby Smart. Do not take your foot off the gas because this Tennessee team can score and can score in a hurry, and you're going to be really upset if you try to let your foot off the brakes too early. Don't think George is losing. I'm just saying, be wary of that Kirby Smart. So what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back, and I'm going to rip through the rest of the games. Texas A&M Ole Miss. Uh, What else? We got LSU Arkansas. We got Auburn Mississippi State. We got Miami Florida State. On and on and on and on and on. I will be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back, good to be back, and let's get into the rest of the Week 11 slate, because I think there's a lot of really interesting matchups in the SEC, and I think I said it earlier, I can't remember, but you know, this is kind of that interesting time of year when you handicap games where teams are beat up, some teams know they're out of the playoff picture, some teams they know they're out of the conference title picture, and every single week you just get kind of weird results that you can't see, and there's three SEC games that, as weird as it sounds, I could frankly see them going either way. First one... Texas A&M is at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, or excuse me, Texas A&M is a two and a half point favorite. I believe this opened at about one point, and the over/under is set at fifty-five. But what I'll tell you is, this is just obviously it goes without saying a matchup, a, a fascinating matchup of differing styles. Uh, Texas A&M slow, methodical, run the ball, defense, run game. Not trust Zach Elzada to do too much. Then you have Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin wants to score, play fast, tempo, speed athleticism and what I think is especially interesting about this game 
These two teams, because of COVID, did not play last year. So you think about the SEC West, you think about the toughest division in college football, and you think about the fact that all of these teams know each other. Well, last year was Lane Kiffin's first year. Texas A&M is marching to a college football potential playoff berth. They obviously finished fifth in the rankings, but right in the middle of the season, they were supposed to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss has to cancel because of COVID, and we don't know how these two teams are going to match up and how Texas A&M is going to handle Ole Miss. Now, in terms of the game itself, first of all, let's just say this. A&M, give them credit. When they beat Alabama a few weeks ago, I was not sold that it was some revolutionary, season-changing win for Texas A&M, but I was completely wrong. Three straight wins, um, completely dominated Auburn the other day, and two things are really standing out to me about Texas A&M. First of all, the defense is so much improved over the last couple weeks. That Auburn game was a... I, Auburn couldn't do anything. I actually kind of felt bad for him at one point. Auburn finished the game. Listen to this. Three total points. 226 yards. 3.7 yards per completion. 2.7 yards per rush. They could not move the ball at all. Um... You know, meanwhile, as great as the defense is, the run game is really starting to click for, for Texas A&M. Over 200-plus yards on the ground in each of their last three games. Ole Miss is ranked 108th nationally in rushing. And so, again, it's just going to be an interesting contrast of styles in some ways it's like that Georgia Tennessee or uh, the Georgia Tennessee game that I was just talking about a minute ago from the perspective that Tennessee wants to score quick move the ball up down this that the other thing Georgia wants to run the football take time off the clock and I think it's going to be very much the same in this game and I will say obviously uh, advantage wise everything goes to A&M better players better athletes better recruiting class Jimbo Fisher having a ton of success Lane Kiffin even complimented him but you know, AM is not the kind of team, if they fall down 10 nothing, that they are built to come back and win that game. Now, you could argue uh, Texas AM in the last three games has not given up more than 14 points. So the idea of them falling down 10 nothing to a team, especially with the defense that uh, Ole Miss has, is probably not fair to project. But what I am just saying is, be wary because Texas A&M is not built to come back and all it takes is a couple big plays from, from Ole Miss to make this game really, really, really interesting. Staying in the SEC, another one, I don't know how, what, what to make of it. Arkansas, a two-and-a-half-point favorite the, against LSU. This game is at LSU. The over-under is set for 59 in this game as Arkansas visits LSU. As I said, it is a 7.30 Eastern night game kickoff, 6.30 Central. So keep that in mind as you wager on this game as Arkansas, again, is slightly favored. In terms of the game, I'll just be honest. I have no idea what to make of LSU. Last three games have been, really last four games have been totally night and day. Every game is a little bit different. Kentucky, they run the ball really well right at Kentucky, but they can't stop anybody. Then they play the following week, Florida. They run the ball right at Florida, but they can't stop Florida from running the ball. They win, I think the final score was like 49-42 or whatever it was. Game after that, they play, uh, who they play the game after, uh, the game after Florida? Oh, they play Ole Miss. They can't move the ball at all, but the defense plays pretty well. And then finally, last week against Alabama, they were really effective defensively, and they played really, really, really hard. And so you try to figure out what that means for this game, I don't think I have any idea. One thing I will say, the D-line did get after it with Alabama, held Alabama. How about this? Did you, got, you must have heard this stat. Alabama had six yards rushing. Six yards rushing against LSU last week. And so to me, that's the kind of interesting chess match of this game. Um, 
you look at this game, Arkansas is so good running the ball, so effective running the ball. I mean, even against the Mississippi State team that came in ranked in the top 10 nationally in rushing defense last last week, Arkansas finished with 202 yards on the ground, four and a half yards per carry, and really made a lot of their, you know self-inflicted mistakes, 11 penalties for 84 yards, but they were really effective moving the ball. I thought KJ Jefferson did really well when he was asked to pass the ball. And so again, I just don't know what to make of this LSU team. Every week it's a little bit of a different deal. But the one thing that stands out, like I said, LSU, I know that they have been up and down in a lot of categories. The defensive line was really good last week against Alabama, but 64th nationally in rushing yards going up against this Arkansas run offense. Be wary, Arkansas a road favorite, but kind of an interesting line to keep an eye on. Let's rip through some of these other games. Mississippi State at Auburn. Another one. I mean, what, what do you make of this game? Auburn, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under set at 50. Um, and this is kind of one of those, you know, this is just the grind of the SEC. Welcome to the SEC, Brian Harson. Two weeks ago, you play really, really, really well against Ole Miss. Last week, you really struggled against Texas A&M. Now you have the Mississippi State team that comes in and is completely different than both of them. They obviously have that spread offense. They have the uh, the, the air raid offense, excuse me. I think I mentioned, oh, by the way, Auburn, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over-under set at 50. Um, and now you got to flip and play this air raid offense of Mississippi State. Uh, the one thing that kind of stands out, I know that Auburn is kind of a balanced team. They're one of the most balanced teams in college football, actually. 314 rush attempts this year, 317 pass attempts, but... This Mississippi State defense does a really good job of slowing down the run. As I said, they now rank 11th nationally in rush defense. And so it puts the ball in the hands of Bo Nix. And we've seen good Bo Nix and we've seen bad Bo Nix. And, and, you know, Auburn fans will tell you how great he was the, the, the two weeks before last week against Texas A&M. Um, you know, that was a game where uh, Texas before Texas A&M, he played really well. 21 of 26 against Arkansas, 22 of 30 against Ole Miss. But then there was last week, 20 of 41, 153 yards passing, again, 3.7 yards per completion. And so, yeah, and he has the, the strip sack fumble, and he has also an interception. And so the one thing I would say, uh, Mississippi State is going to make Bo Nix beat him, and it'll be interesting to see if they can. Obviously, with Mississippi State, we know they want to throw the ball, 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 uh, and it'll be interesting to see if an Auburn pass defense that ranks 58th nationally, allowing opponents to complete 64% of their passes. Uh, that stat, the 64% of their passes, ranks 105th nationally. Keep that in mind as you as you watch this game, because I think this is a, one where Mississippi State could be really interesting. Really quickly, let's get to a couple ACC games. And how about this? Miami is playing at Florida State. Miami is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 61. And this is what I want to do. Um, you know, I think in college football, maybe more than any other sport, we are so critical of coaches and teams and programs, and we're criticizing everyone all the time. We should probably give Manny Diaz a little bit of credit, okay? So we know how the season started. You lose to Alabama. You lose to Michigan State. Um, but then from there, here is what he has done. The last five games... You have a two-point loss to Virginia. That was the game where they missed the field goal at the end of regulation that would have won the game for them. They lose by three against UNC. And then they win three straight games since then. They beat NC State 31-30. They beat Pitt 38-34. They beat Georgia Tech 33-30. So how about that? The last five games 
have all been decided by four points or less. That's something to consider as they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Um, but they have won the last three, and they easily could have won the two before that. And so what I want to do is make sure to give credit to Manny Diaz, give credit to Miami, because I think we're so quick in college football to tear everybody down, we don't give teams enough credit when they're playing well. Now, the difference for Miami, it is very obvious. Listen, shout-out De'Ara King. De'Ara King was the uh, NIL superstar of the summer, but he went down with an injury, and they have put in this freshman named Tyler Van Dyke, who has been incredible the last three games, okay? So Tyler Van Dyke basically has played five games. Here is what he has done in the last three. Against NC State, this is a good NC State defense, by the way. 325 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. At Pitt, 38-34 they win, three touchdowns, one interception, 426 yards passing. And against Georgia Tech, 389 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. So the last three games... Tyler Van Dyke, 10 touchdowns, one interception, and his passing has opened up the run game to the point that this is now a very dynamic offense. 563 yards last week against Georgia Tech, 490 the week before in the win over Pitt. Very dynamic offense. Florida State, the one thing I would say, we know they run the ball well. They did lose last week uh, to NC State. The thing with them, their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, was out apparently with the flu. He is expected back, but we have to monitor that. I've been telling you for weeks. They are two different teams when Jordan Travis is in versus when uh, Mackenzie Milton is in. We love Mackenzie Milton. He's a great kid. Came back from that incredible injury, but they're better team with Jordan Travis. He did not play last week. We got to make sure that he plays this week. Finally, let's do a little back to the future because in, uh, in this weekend, I don't even know if I'll have time to preview this game. I guess I will. But on Thursday night, we actually have a, a really fun Thursday night matchup. We don't generally get fun Thursday night games anymore. But North Carolina at Pitt. North Carolina at Pitt. Pitt is a six and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 74 and a half. And again, what did I tell you? Last week, I think I got you some pretty good information, especially on that Wake Forest North Carolina game. I said the over under was set at 76 and a half. And I said, take the over. It doesn't matter. But it's going to be much the same this week as coming into this game. Here is the deal. Pitt is ranked nationally. Officially, they are now. After Ohio State struggled last week, Pitt is the number one scoring defense in college football. They are averaging 45 points per game. As I just told you, they lost a few weeks ago to Miami when they put up 34 points. They put up 27 against Clemson, 28 against Virginia Tech, 54 last week against Duke. Their lowest point total of the season so far was 27 against a really good Clemson team. And we know what North Carolina is capable of doing. This past week, they just lit up Wake Forest for 58 points in that game, including 556 yards of total offense as well. 330 yards on the ground, by the way. So I'll get you plenty more on that game in the future. But I am just telling you, you talk about a fun matchup that is a Thursday night game. Pitt, Wake for, or Pitt, North Carolina could be the most entertaining game of the week. I don't know if anybody will be watching it because of Thursday night NFL football, but you talk about a fun game, that is it. All right, so I think that is it for this segment of the Aaron Torres, uh, not the Aaron Torres podcast, college football betting with Aaron Torres. I think it's time for me to get out of here. You guys have enough information to start the week. Uh, I will be back Thursday, and I think this week will be really interesting because I do think this is one of those weeks where, again, we are just going to have to monitor really, really, really closely um, what's going on with injuries and and 
attitude and those kinds of things because a lot of these games could go either way when you're talking about Mississippi State uh, Mississippi State versus Auburn, Arkansas versus LSU, um, whatever. I think there's a lot of games that we are going to have to monitor very closely, but I think it's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, please make sure that you are subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, we're rolling. We're rolling. I appreciate your guys' support. We continue to roll every single week. Thank you guys for what you do for this show. If you do not mind, make sure to leave a rating and review the next time that you are on iTunes or Spotify. It really does help this show grow. really does help us move up those iTunes charts. Make sure you're following me on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter and at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. That is all for today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe. I will be back on Thursday before 